Good morning. As Todd said, he will be back uh, teaching us ne next week. Um, if you have a bulletin on the inside there, we have an outline for what we're going to be talking about this morning. It occurs to me that um, after the songs we sang and after the things that Todd had to share about our outreach uh, that, that we have through Met Melanie Park, that we could probably just go down to point number three. And uh, from the songs we sang this morning, uh, Brian and the group, uh, the words of those songs, I, I got to thinking, well, if we believe what we just got through sing singing, then um, we understand God's love for the world. So I don't need to go through that one. And also, if we believe what we just finished singing, uh, then there probably is no reason to go through the pro promises that he's made to the na nations. Otherwise, we wouldn't be singing this stuff. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. But if you don't mind, I've already kind of prepared this stuff, so if you don't mind, we're going to... Um, the last uh, two weeks, uh, we've been talk 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 talking about, I've got, uh, I'm used to, teaching with a board, and there wasn't a board up here, so this, this is my board this morning. You'll, you'll see a lot of slides. Uh, what we've been looking at the last uh, couple of weeks is living a life of di discipleship, and uh, what I would like to start off this morning with is um, if we're living a life of discipleship, discipleship involves various things in, in our lives so it, we began, Brian began talk, talk, talking to us about, the, uh, about wor worship, about our individual worship before God and our corporate wor worship to get together. And that's part of maturing and growing as disciples is our wor worship of God. And last week, Bruce talked to us about the importance of the community of be. be Believers, and and as we develop as a community of believers, we're ma we're maturing as to, as disciples of Jesus Christ. The, this morning, I would like for us to visit a little bit about li living the life of, of a maturing disciple who's taking part in God's plan for redeeming mankind. Now, we know, I know. If I was a first-timer here today, after singing the songs that you sang, I would believe that you believe that God has a pur purpose for the church, that God has a mission that he wants to see li lived out through the church. And, and of course, we, we call being involved in God's plan for redeeming mankind, we have a word we use, and we call that mi missions or out, outreach, or give, giving away the life that, that's within us to those that do not have that, that life. Uh, what I want us to visit with this morning about is his, his mission, which is to redeem his creation, is also our mission. And as we talk, talk about that this morning, we have the three points there. I want us to talk about God's heart and how it is di displayed through his love for the world 
how his heart is displayed through the promises that he's made to the nations, and then also how his heart is displayed by his calling of us to be involved in his mission. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and bang on the pulpit and say, you should give up everything and go into cross-cultural ministry on the other side of the world if you believe that God's called us to be involved in his mission. Hopefully we're going to be much broader than that this morning as, as we discuss these things. So, so uh, before we get into the scripture, uh, let me uh, pray for us. Father, we're so thankful, first of all, that you have called us to be your children. Father, we are thankful for your word that you've given us that we can look into this morning to better understand your heart. Father, to better understand um, how you view your creation. Father, please help us this morning as we look in your word to be reminded of the love that you have for your creation, for this whole world. And Father, also that you would speak to our hearts through the promises, knowing, Father, that um, your desire is that we would worship you here and worship you face to face someday. And Father, also, as we look into your word, we just ask that you would remind us of what you have called us to, and how we can live out that calling. We love you, and we adore you, and we're so thankful for this time together this morning, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if we were going to uh, be, begin our time th 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 this morning uh, talking about the display of God's heart, how he's, he's displayed his heart through his love for the world, um, if, if you were going to pick a scripture that would talk about God's heart for the world, which is the first one you learned when you were a child? John 3.16, right? Okay, well, let's just start with that one. That's a great one. John 3.16 in verse 17 that follows um, says, for God loved the world so much, or God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And, of course, we know we could spend an hour just on that verse and unpacking everything that God has to let us know about his heart for the world. If we had the time, we don't, and, and, and we won't. But he said, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So no, no wonder that's one of the first ones that, that, that we learn. And as we come, we become from believers, become believers. It's no wonder that it's one of the most precious verses to us. For God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him, if Mark believes in Him, Mark will not perish. If Mark does not believe in Him, what happens to Mark? Yeah, Mark per perishes. But God loved Mark so much that he sent his only son. Genesis 3.15 is a little bit odd, perhaps, if we were talk, talking about God's heart for the world. But, but look, look at this. Um, and the good thing about having slides is I can go through them quick, quick, quickly. And if the clock gets, gets too late, I'll just skip them, you know. But, 
but let, let's look at John. You would, you would say Genesis 3.15, how in the world does that declare God's love? How do we see God's heart for the world? By looking at Genesis 3.15. This might be the, the brightest light of all if we were going to shine on God's heart for, for, for the world. Because what, what took place in order for God to make this statement right here? He had created a whole group of ser servants that we call angels. And before this took place, before this took place right here, a full third, we find out in the scriptures that a full third of his created beings that were created to serve him rebelled against him by fo following one that the, that, that the scriptures called the angel of light. So one of God's greatest cre creations, this angel of light, rebelled against him and took one-third of those beings that he had created to serve him in, in a place that we don't know anything about. We read what, what, what has been, been, been written in the scriptures. We'll find out a whole lot more one of these days, right? But, but So it's hard for us to visualize this, but this had happened. Now, if we could give God a heart, a human heart, if we could give him a heart of somebody who aches because of di distress, who aches because of di disappointment, if, if you've ever had a, a child deny you, walk away from you, if you've ever been disappointed by somebody that you had so much con confidence in, you understand what that fe feels like, right? Well, what if God had the same kind of heart? Then how was he feeling that day? That day. How, how was he feeling? Because already one-third of this, these created beings that, that, that he had created to fellowship with, to serve him, had denied him and left. Well, then he takes this earth, this that was in without form and void, and he adds... Uh, plants and plant life and he adds animals and then he looks around and adds one of you and then he says well it's not good for this one to be by himself I'm going to make him one to, for him to have a mate and so us guys are real happy about that okay. I've, I mean I like my mate she and I have been mates for over 48 years, and I like that arrangement. I'm glad God did that that, that day for Adam, because when he did it for Adam, he did it for Mark. So there's this next cre creation of his that he created perfectly. And then when and he says, enjoy this place, only don't do that. And then the one who had first sinned against God the creator comes onto the scene. For some reason or another, he has access to them, and he talks them into doing the same thing he had done. Now, here we are. Gen Gen Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse, 15, verse 15, when he says to the one that we came to know as Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and that's a whole nother lesson that we don't have time for, for today. But there's some deep, deep things just in that, state, state, in that, state, that statement right there. But here's what he says. 
So he shall crush you, the seed of the woman shall crush you on the head, and you shall bruise him on his heel. And we'll actually talk about a little, little bit, excuse me, about that lay, later on. So when I say that this verse right here shows us a picture of God's heart for the world, he had been disappointed. Then he's disappointed again. And he, what, what could, he, could, could he have said? If he had a heart like my heart and I was disappointed enough, I said, okay, I don't want this anymore. This is over with. Pushes the button and boom, they're gone. But we know by reading the script scripture, so we don't have time for it for today, that because that happened right there, he had already created a plan to do what? To redeem them and that plan then to, to redeem us. So the great show of God's love for the world. I got to go quicker now. Then one of the, our, another one of our fave, fave, favorite verses that show God's heart for the world, his love for the world is Romans 5, 8. This is another one that maybe you have memorized over the years, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because what took place in the Garden of Eden, God had put this plan in, in place and because of that, then we can be saved. Another pa passage that tells about God's love for the world, 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent us his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Remember John 3.16 says, whoever believes in him will not perish. This is the other side. He sent his only begotten son into the world so instead of us perishing, we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God first loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for the sin that our father Adam and mother Eve caused to be put upon us. Well, that's just a little, little bit about God's love for the, the world. If you don't know him, and you wonder who, who, who he is, hopefully you see that he, told, told, he tells us in this book that he has a great love for the world. He would, he would go to any length in order to redeem mankind, even to send his own son to die for, for us as a sacrifice. Now let's look at God's, how God's heart is displayed through his promises to the na nations. I'm going to need to go kind of quick quickly here, so... Uh, perhaps you might want to perhaps write, write these down and look, look at them lay, later on. In Acts chapter 14, um, Paul and Bar Barnabas are in the town of Lystra. And they have been run out of a couple of towns already. And they've come to this, to this town. And as they're coming into the city, into the town, Paul no notices a man who has been, he's lame. And we find out from the scriptures that um, they find out, and Paul writes then in the book, book of Acts, that this man was born lame. He couldn't walk. He, he hadn't walk, walked his entire, entire life. And as they're coming toward him, Paul looks in his eyes, and the scripture says that Paul sees in his eyes something that lets him know that this man believes that he could be healed. 
So, what does Paul do? Paul, Paul looks at him and says, you need to get up and walk. And the man does. Now, in this little town or big town, whatever size town, town it was, there happened to be a temple to Zeus. And so whenever Paul make, tells the man, get, get up and walk, and the man gets up and walks, everybody in the town who knows who he is and sees him, they think that Zeus and Hermes have arrived. They, they Because they have a, temp, temp, a temple to Zeus and, a, and, and there's a priest there to Zeus, they begin to, to say, oh, Zeus and, Her, and Hermes have come in the flesh. Barnabas is Zeus and Paul is Hermes because he's the sp spokesman. And Paul and Barnabas say, no, no, no. Well, you know, things are kind of quiet in, in this little town. They have a temple to Zeus and there's a priest, but the priest hasn't had, a whole, hasn't had a whole lot of exciting things going on, I just imagine, in this town. And now the people in the town are saying, Zeus and Her Hermes have come in the flesh. So what does the priest do? Hooray, it's time to sacrifice. Make a sacrifice. Let's get a bull. Let's get sheep. Let's start sacrificing animals because they've come in the flesh. And Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, 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 no. That's not what you're seeing at all. Now, here's the importance of these verses and what Paul has to say to them then. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. Now, what does that, that, what does that mean? Now, in generations gone by, that's time in the past, right? God permitted the, the, the nations to go their own way. If we were to look in Isaiah chapter 40, we would see a very de detailed explanation of how men tend to create gods for themselves. They make some of them out of wood if they don't have very, very much money. They make some out of gold, some out of silver, and some are made, made out of stones. That's what, and, and, and men tend to come up with their own rules by which to live in order to be able to live the way they want to live. That's what Paul is talk, talking about. In the generations past, God permitted all the nations. Now, if that means all the na nations, that means all the na nations in, well, Tur Turkey. That's where Paul was whenever he was doing this ministry, were there people on the other side of the planet at the same time? Just shake, shake your head, yes. Yeah, yeah. After the Tower of, ba ba after the, after the Tower of ba Babel, the, 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 the human population grew and men moved and they moved all, all over the place and they were people in Europe, there were people in Africa by that time, there were people in Asia by that time, there were people probably walked down the land, land the land bridge, probably North America by that time. There's evidence there were people in South America by that time. There were people on the planet, okay? So when he says, when Paul says to these people, hold it, God permitted all the nations to go their own ways. He was talking to them and to anybody else who would read, who would read this. And yet he did not leave himself without a witness. Why would God not leave himself without a witness? Because he loves his, 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 his creation. Now, what was that, that witness? In that he did good and gave you rain. See, the pe people in Lystra thought it was Zeus who was sending the rains and giving them, uh, make, making the crops grow and making their li livelihood good. And so the priest there in the temple could say, bring your, your goods here to make sacrifices to Zeus because it's Zeus. And Paul says, it's not Zeus. 
It's God. In the generations gone by, God permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but yet he did not leave himself without a witness. And what was that wit was that witness? He did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfy, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. It wasn't some made-up God. It was the God who created all these things is the one who has blessed you. Let's go on. Romans 1, 18. A lot of, there, there are six verses here that I've crammed down into just a couple of state, statements. Paul's right, writing to the Roman believers when he says, Here's a problem. Men suppress the truth about God, even though God has made himself known to them. God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have all been seen clearly in all his creation so that men are without excuse. Men are without excuse in regard to what? Men can't say there is no God. Men can't say, well, I have no God to worship, so I'll make up a God to worship. Oh, this is what Paul was tell, telling the Roman believers. He, he said, God has made himself known, known to them. So, so does that mean that man was responsible for who he would worship or what he would worship even, even before Jesus came? Shake your heads, yes. Yes, man was responsible because God had been showing man ever since he created man his attributes. Man was seeing what God was doing on man's behalf, but we as men were allowed to go our own way, and so we could either worship God before Jesus even came, or we could make up something or someone to worship on our own. And what have most of us done for the last 6,000 years? We've made up our own. But so it was important that, that God put in the, scripts, in the scriptures to let all men know, I've always been, been around you always could see me. You decided not to worship me. You, you decided to make up some, something or somebody else to worship. Men do not honor him as God or give thanks, but rely on their futile speculations and foolish darkened hearts. They worship idols instead of God. That, that's what, that's what, what we've done. You said, Mark, why do you put that in something when you're talking about God's promises to the na nations? Well, I just want us to re realize that when God created us, he gave us the capacity to worship him. Now, does that mean that Jesus didn't need, need, need to come? No, if we study the book of Hebrews, we find out that Jesus did need to come. And Jesus took, took, took away everything. He became the perfect sacrifice once for all. And for those who had believed before he came, he just completed their salvation. That's what he did. Abraham comes on the scene about 2000 B.C. or so. What does the scripture say about Abraham? Was he a man who worshipped God? Did he obey God? Job lived probably about the same, same time. What does the book of Job say about Job? Yeah, the, the, these men were worshipped God. Men had the ability to worship God, but God also gave men the ability to go their, their own way. So, he says, men do not honor him as God or give thanks, but rely on their futile speculations and foolish darkened hearts. They worship idols instead of God. But, Ephesians 2, chapter 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, has given the gospel or the good news. 
for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who, who, who believes. In Matthew 20, 24, Jesus is on the hill outside Jer Jerusalem toward a town called Beth Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and he is giving a rather long di discourse to his followers, to his disciples, and they've asked him about the end, what, what's going to happen. He's told them that the temple's going to be going to be destroyed, and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and all kind of all kinds of things going on, and, and they're wanting to know when all this is going to happen. Well, somewhere in there, verse 14 of Matthew 24, he makes this statement. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So there had always been a witness of God and his faith, faith, faithfulness. He had always left a witness in the things that he did for mankind if man would just worship him as the provider of those things, that they worship him, him as God. Some did, most did, did, did most did did not. Then Jesus comes to earth and he then affirms himself that God ha has a plan and that plan would be that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached in the whole world as a te testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. What is the end? The end is the end of of the age. The end of the age is when the great tribulation is over and Jesus comes back in, bo in bo bodily form to the earth to set, set up his king kingdom. So what he was saying to them that, that, that day in partial answer to them is the kingdom, the gospel will be preached in the whole world. Oh, the whole world. Now where did we decide that was? All sides of the plant, planet, right? Okay, so here we are. Here, here we are in the first century, and 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 Jesus says the gospel is going to be preached in the whole world to all the nations, and then the end will will the end will come. Then John is give, given a picture in Revelation. Uh, he's given a cu couple of them that uh, uh, about this same su su subject. The one I want to look at right now is in Revelation 14. Uh, six through six through seven, and John is seen, and he writes in the book of Revelation between chapters uh, nine and chapters fourteen or fifteen. There's a lot of pic pic pictures that he sees, and this is one of the things that he's shown. He says, "I saw another angel flying in in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, and to." every nation and tribe and tongue and people. Okay, so uh, as we think, you know, one of the, one of the things going on in mi missions uh, today is there are quite a few mission agencies who have developed a sense of ur urgency uh, about getting the go go gospel out. And there's no pro problem with, with, with that. Uh, we do want the gospel to go out, and we want it to go out to all the na nations. And there are some who take the Ma Matthew verse and these, ver these verses right here and say, we've got to hurry up and get it done. Well, this is a promise that God made through the writers of, script, script, of, of Scripture 
that it's going to get done. What does he say in Matthew 24? The gospel will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Who said that? Yeah, God himself on earth, he made the de 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 declaration. So there is a sense of urgency that we want those who don't know Jesus Christ to hear the message of, of, of his love. On the other hand, God himself said the gospel is going to be preached to all the, na all, all the nations and then the end will, will, will come. So that means it will take place and then the end will come. In Revelation 14, he says he sees this angel. Now, I don't know if this angel, I don't know if this, this angel that he saw is an angel with a loudspeaker system. And it's going to be flying over the earth toward the end of the great tribulation period, the second three and a half years of the tribulation, when it really gets bad. I mean, because this is when he says, let's read on down. I'm pointing at me. I should be pointing at you. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of what? His judgment has come. So that, that, that means if it says the hour of his judgment has come, then this angel is flying in midheaven mid -heaven with this God gospel message toward the end. When Jesus said in Matthew 24, it'll be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. That must be when this angel is doing what John saw in the vision here of Revelation 14 because he says, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Now, the good news is, is that the good news is going to be preached right up until the end of the age. That's the good news. But what about your family? What about your coworkers? What about my neighbors? What about the people that I come in contact with today? Brad, what if they die without the, the gospel? Hey, hey they, they could have seen God in his creation. They could have recognized he was God. They could have wor worshipped God. But what's Satan been doing all this time? Oh, he's been putting stuff in the way where, you, where you, don't, you, you don't see him. But Jesus came, and we have that me message of love to give to, to the world that Jesus came to forgive us of, of our sins, and we need only believe in who he is and believe in what, in what he did, and he redeemed he redeems us, and we're his child forever. Well, if you're worried about every nation, tribe, tongue, and people hearing the gospel, don't worry. Because either there's a big angel with a big me megaphone that's going to be flying through, through, through the earth, or there are going to be people in place that this angel re represents toward the end of the age. And the gospel will go to all of them. You know, there are three billion people on this planet that don't, have not heard the gospel. God has shown himself to them, and we don't know if they've worshipped him or not, but there's three billion of them that have, have never heard, heard the gospel. Many of those don't even have a written language, so they couldn't possibly have the scriptures. And if God lays on your heart to be someone who might go to one of those people groups and learn, live with them and learn their, lang their, their language and write their language down and teach the scriptures to them and lead them to faith in G 
Jesus Christ, great. And if you're a part of this, this, of, of this church, as Todd, as Todd says, we'll embrace the mission that God calls you to, and we'll help you get, get, we'll help you get there. But also, don't forget the mission that we're all involved in when we leave this, bu- bu- this building today. What do we got here? Revelation chapter 7. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. This is another reason why we know the gospel is going to be preached right up to the time that Jesus comes back. Again, because it says, an elder, one of the 24 elders says to John, John, who are these people? John says, I'm not the one that knows you. You know. And the elder says to John, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they've washed their robes and made, their, made them white in the blood, blood of the Lamb. Remember the angel going through, throughout the whole earth with the, with the gospel? This is a result of that angel going throughout the whole earth with the gospel, whether it's this angel doing it or he's got people on the earth sharing the gospel. I feel like that, that, that's what's going to be going on. There's going to be a, a number of people that you can't even number. There's so many you couldn't even number that had come out, out of that time. So if you're concerned that every tongue, tribe, nation, people, however you want to call them, if that every nation isn't going to get the gospel, don't worry about that. They are. The scripture says, says, says they are. But what I would encourage us to do is to have a heart for those people that we're in front of right now. Those are the ones. Don't. But if God leads you to one of those that does not now have the, have, have, has never heard the name of Jesus, if he leads you to some, oh, and by, by, by the way, you don't have to go to the other side of the world. Um, one of our mission agencies has identified 30 indigenous groups that have the only time they've ever heard the word Jesus is because their nephew's name is Jesus. J- just a few hundred miles south, south of us here. Okay, if you want to go to a people group that's never heard the gospel, that doesn't have the script, scriptures, whose language is not written down, we'll send you to Me- Mexico to one of them. It's not that far away. You know, I don't have time to, to, to go on, on here. Um, But th- this is a verse that, that we all know well. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The reason I put verse 7 there is because verse 7 gives us the, pro- the promise. The Lord is not slow about his promise. You know what his promise is in verse 7? Judgment. That's what his, pro- his promise is. I thought, well, Mark, I thought you were going to tell us it's eternal life. No, no, in this passage... His promises judgment. He promises that he's coming back and bringing judgment to the earth. As, but he says the Lord is not slow about this promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to, for any to perish. Okay, let's talk about we, his disciples. We all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to su- suggest, I'm going to show you five pa- passages quickly, and then we'll be done. These are passages of instruction to us as, deci- as, as disciples, as we are maturing uh, disciples of, 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 of Jesus Christ. 
and we are involved in the growth of discipleship. These are his instru instructions to us. Some people call them commissions. Some people call this the Great Commission. I would prefer to call it instru instructions. Go, into all, go and make disciples of all the nations. We know this one, Luke 20, 24. He said, thus is it, this, it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, your witnesses of these, these things. Two more instru instruction ver verses for us. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And this is not one of those oh no verses. This is, really? He would pick me to be his child, and then he would give me his message of re reconciliation to the world that he loves so much more than I could ever love? You mean that's his plan? That's his plan. That's his plan. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Spirit come upon you. You'll be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest part of the earth. And then Colossians 1, 28 and 29, a little verse tucked at the end of Colossians chap, chap, chapter 1, but it has the, the, the mission, and it has the means for carrying out half the mission in this one verse. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, striving according to his power. Isn't that interesting? Not our own power. We're just been told to proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man, and we do it according to his power. Well, let's see, where, where did I go here? Okay, so we're going to fin finish this up. God's plan for saving mankind from eternity away from his presence involves seed, sowers, and har harvesters. The seed. Luke 8, 11 says the parable is this. A seed is the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23. You've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living, enduring word of God. Anybody here ever been a farmer? Anybody grow up on a farm? Well, you are now. Well, if you did, didn't, you are now. Because, oh, by the way, I don't have time for the rest of these, so let me just cut cut it down down to this. This right here, we just saw two verses that calls this what? The seed, okay? But, but then also, the script, scripture says that this is not only the seed, but this is the sickle, too. It's the seed for the sowers. It's the sickle for the har harvesters, okay? So now you'll understand what, what's coming next. John 4, look on the fields, they're white to har harvest. I had on here that there's a lesson for sowers and, har and harvesters. I'll leave, leave, leave to you to go read, read those and fig figure out what the le lesson for the sowers is and the le lesson for the har harvesters. Again, the word is a seed if, if you're a sower. The word is a sickle if you're a harvester. In Acts 2, we, we remember that story. This is the first in get gathering after G Jesus' departure. As he, 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 had, he had promised, P Peter and the apostles take the word and they, that, that Jesus had given them the message of salvation. They go out and preach it that day. And how many came to faith that day? A, a whole bunch, right? 3,000 3, 3, came that, that day. Okay, let's fin finish up with, with this. 
what I wanted to take some time today and say that I don't have time for is that um, uh, the le lessons of, of the seed and the le le lessons of being a sower is a whole another lesson, you know, that we that we could spend time on. But just suffice it to say that um, God has given us the pri privilege to have His Word to to bear the seed. He's given us the pri privilege to take that 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 seed and plant that seed by sharing his love and sharing the message of salvation with, with others. And maybe you never do anything but sow the seed, but yet what a great privilege. And then there are some here who have an opportunity to sow seed and then to also har harvest the fruit of, of, of that seed. In other words, see somebody come into the kingdom of God through, through the, wit the witness of the word. Some, some of you may plant the seed and never see any results, results at all, and somebody else comes along and shares the scripture, and somebody says, that's where my heart is. I want to accept, to, to accept Christ. It's not so important whether you're a sower or a har, har, harvester. We've, we, we've been called to do both. And so let me finish up with the, these two verses. If, if you uh, want to look, look it up quick, quickly with me, 2 Corinthians 9, and then we'll be finished. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, here is um, a pro promise from God for all of you sowers and harvesters. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, and, and who is that? God, yes. And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Thank goodness it's not up to us, but what a pri privilege we have. Now if you turn over to Isaiah 55. These are two great, ver great verses. What a, what a beautiful picture. Isaiah had been inspired to write about God's mercy in verse 10 and 11, he says this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So God gave, gave us his word. It's come out, it's come from his mouth. And he says, so my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I was sent. So it's a, ble a blessing for us to be involved in a mission that God has in Institute, instituted where you, you, you can't fail. We, we can't fail. All we do is sow the seed, some will har har harvest, God will give the in increase, and he says that it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And what is the reason why he sent it? 
his word. To redeem man, mankind, right? So that we could have fellowship with him forever. So those that we know, that we share the, the, the message of truth, the message of hope with, can also share e e eternity in, in his pre presence. I, I pray that by, by taking a few minutes this morning and look, looking at these verses that we're just reminded of whose we are and the tremendous pri privilege that we have, whether we're here or we're on the other side of the world. It doesn't matter where we are. The mi mission is the same. And uh, it's his, mi his mission, and he's called us to, to be a part of it. Let, let, let's pray, then we'll be dismissed. Father, you've blessed us that we do not have to wonder whether you love us or not. And Father, we don't have to wonder if you care about your creation. Father, we are humbled that you would love us so much that you would send your son, Jesus, to come to this earth and to die for our sin to take away that penalty that would have caused us to live apart from you forever. Father, we thank you that he rose from the grave to give us life. And Father, we thank you for your word, that precious word that is the seed to be sown in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls that it might grow in their hearts to the point that they come to believe. And Father, we thank you that you've given us this task and this opportunity to be a part of this worldwide mission of yours to redeem mankind. And Father, we just ask that you would open our eyes, even as we live here, to see those who have not ever heard of your love and Father also we ask you to open our eyes to show us those who have but who have not yet given their hearts to you that we might once again pull this precious word out to share with them and Father for those that may be part of our church family that you are tapping them on the heart to go other places to take this message of love and reconciliation I ask you Father that you would make that clear to them and to us also, Father, and allow us the opportunity to send them out um, with love and send them out knowing that you will use them to spread your truth. Father, we just love you so much and thank you again for this time that we could be together this morning knowing that you have loved us with uh, perfect love knowing that we will be able to worship you here and worship you face to face and Father until we see you face to face we thank you we praise you for all you are for who you are and for whose we are Amen Have a great day